This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. In 2018, China's national sword policy came into effect, banning 24 but later 32 types of solid waste imports to the country, including paper, plastic and paper waste. This, we know, caused a global disruption in the recyclable material market and redirected plastic waste to new destination countries, primarily in Southeast Asia. From January to July 2018, Malaysia became the world's top destination for plastic waste exports and this influx and this influx led to a sharp rise in illegal recycling facilities and illegal dump sites, causing land, water and air pollution. Now, this has been described as being akin to, quote unquote, waste colonialism, where more powerful countries export their toxic waste problem to developing countries and acquire local resources to meet their own goals. In New Zealand, there is now a petition for the country to ban plastic waste exports to developing countries, a campaign being led by Malaysian lawyer Lydia Chai, who's now working at and living in New Zealand. This issue is close to her heart and she joins me now to share more. Welcome, Lydia. How are you today? Hi, Juliet. Thanks for having me today. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much uh, for joining me today. And, uh, you know, congratulations on, you know, speaking to the uh, to the New Zealand, uh, uh, you know, to the government and to uh, and bringing this uh, issue to light. Uh, Lydia, maybe we can just quickly start. So I did mention in my intro, you're a Malaysian lawyer, but you're now based in New Zealand. Yes, I am. I've been here for uh, close to 20 years, I think. <laughs> okay, all right. Long, mm. long time. And, you know, uh, how did you actually come to find out that New Zealand was actually sending rubbish back uh, to your own home country, uh, coincidentally mm. enough? Yeah. Yeah, so it was two years ago that I read a report by Greenpeace Malaysia saying that New Zealand is exporting its plastic waste to Malaysia. And the fact that it sends it to Solango, which is my home state, uh, was an absolute shock to me. And uh, after reading that, I felt that I needed to do something because obviously my family are still there and they are breathing in this toxic air. So I needed to take action. Mm-hmm. And we do know that we're in the midst of a worldwide plastic crisis, right? We do know that an international waste trade, you know, sort of creates this illusion of proper recycling, right? Where there is actually, uh, you know, sort of like a geographical shifting of the plastic waste problem affecting, you know, and it basically affects the rights of the most vulnerable, isn't it? And I, and I you know, you alluded to that uh, that report by Greenpeace and that was the myth of uh, plastics recycling, right? That's right. Exactly right. It's, uh, I think it's called the recycling myth and that report was instrumental in busting many myths that we held about recycling, uh, which was perpetuated by the uh, by industry itself. So what we found out was that only nine percent, possibly less, of plastic that is put on the curbside is ever recycled. Recycling plants themselves, uh, I call them plastic processing uh, facilities. Uh, there was a study that came out in May this year came out of Scotland where they studied a state-of-the-art recycling factory and it found that up to 16% of the plastic this factory received was leached into the waterways and the environment. So actually, recycling factories are not good for the environment. Um, The whole concept of recycling is, it really is a myth because it's it's not good for the environment mostly. And um, the other thing is that the idea that we can recycle is kind of like a cop-out and it perpetuates our habit of using single-use plastics. So 
all this talk about circular economy and reusing plastic, melting it down, making it into something new is a very nice story, but it's not a true story. Yeah. And it is something that, you know, we've been seeing uh, all the, the, you know, the talks about the uh, the Global Plastics Treaty, for example, right, which just recently concluded, Inc. 2 just recently concluded. And uh, we did see a lot of plastic uh, manufacturers there, a lot of lobbyists there, right? And, and you know, spending a lot of time discussing things that, uh, you know, not so, not not helping that uh, the, the, the negotiations actually progress, you know, sort of, you know, fighting over little silly details. And that's come to be what it is, right? That, you know, they've sort of put the onus on consumers consumers, like it's nothing wrong with what we're manufacturing. It is the consumers who don't know how to recycle properly, who don't know how to dispose of their waste properly. I mean, are you also finding that in your research? Yes, I think that it is not fair to place most of the burden on consumers, if any burden, um, because what can the consumer do if they walk into a supermarket and most of the choices there are wrapped in plastic? Yeah. So it's not much of a choice. Actually, we need systemic change where we incentivize people to reduce their use of plastic, actually to eliminate our addiction, because that's what it is. It's our addiction to plastic. And it's um, it's uh, enabled by, by plastics industries, water bottle companies. Yeah. And okay, so let's talk about what's happening in New Zealand, right? Because um, I was reading, I mean, I was reading some reports, right? And customs data released to, I believe it was the New Zealand paper, The Herald, uh, actually shows that Malaysia is the top recipient of New Zealand's plastic waste. This is just ahead of Indonesia. Am I correct? Could you expand on that for us? Yep, that's right. So um, most of the the destinations for our uh, New Zealand plastic waste is Southeast Asia, uh, Malaysia being the first, Indonesia second, and I believe the third might be Philippines mm. or Th- Thailand recently uh, banned the imports. So un- until that, uh, until then, we were sending things to Th- Thailand as well. Okay. And I was also reading that, you know, uh, government officials have admitted they had actually no idea of actually what happened to the hundreds and thousands of tons of plastic waste that were being shipped overseas. Yes, so maybe this is a good time to bring up what is called the Basel Convention, mm-hmm. which is an international treaty that uh, countries got together a few years ago and stopped the uh, import-export of a hazardous material. But the Basel Convention does not uh, regulate high-grade plastics. So just normal uh, res- curbside recycling, so plastic bottles and all that, uh, what what people might know as um, numbers one, two, and five, you know, mm. um, on their packaging. So, um, so for plastic that is considered, quote unquote, easily recyclable, like a plastic bottle, think of a plastic bottle, the Basel Convention does not regulate that and has no rules whatsoever or guidance about that. So for things like this, it's totally industry self-regulated and there's no monitoring that goes on at all. Okay. And we can see the problem, like it's quite clear, you know, what the problems is if they're self-regulating in that sense, right? Who who is actually keeping, you know, checks on these things then, right? Yes. So the checks that industry or, or companies are saying they do is very cosmetic. Uh, some companies let's say a New Zealand a New Zealand company might say, oh, we, we perform audits where we send people over to Malaysia and actually look at the factories. But I think that is just not a 
not true. It, it's not ac an actual audit because I don't believe that they're actually checking, you know, the filters in the in the factories or um, work whether workers are treated well, whether uh, a resource consent granted to this factory was actually obtained lawfully. Mm. Um, and that there was no bribery involved. Like, how can you possibly check such a thing, um, much less if you are a foreigner visiting this factory? And of course, you know, you know Matsale visiting a factory, there will be this whole show put on for the Matsale. Um, so any audit that's performed is just a show, really. It's not a true audit. And that's why I don't believe that we can regulate uh, plastic waste. Okay, and let's talk about how you presented a petition to the New Zealand Parliament's Environment Committee, right? Basically calling on the government to ban plastic waste exports. I do know you have, um, you know, in the petition that was going on, you had uh, more than 11,500 signatures. Talk to me a little bit about what you presented to the uh, to the Environment Committee. Yes, yeah, so in New Zealand, there's this really good democratic process called um, the petitions process where any individual... And uh, uh, you don't even have to be a citizen. Any individual can bring a petition uh, to Parliament and have it presented uh, to the select committee. And the select committee will then hear your submissions and your arguments and also uh, invite opposing parties to submit on the topic. And then they'll write a report and then they might uh, recommend to the government uh, to act on this petition. And um, so last week, I had the opportunity to present my oral submission on my petition to ban all plastic waste exports to all developing countries. Um, and my my presentation lasted only 10 minutes. It was a very strict time frame. <laughs> and I, um, I think I dropped quite a few bombs in, in that presentation because yes. they were all shocked that in Salango alone, there are 332 plastic uh, plastic processing facilities. And so that number was very shocking. And it's been repeated quite a bit since then. Um, the other thing is that I explained how the Basel Convention does not work because prior to my petition, all everyone involved thought that this whole plastic problem was solved. Uh, because we're no longer sending mixed plastics or or we're sending less contaminated bales of plastic. But I was telling them that, first of all, the plastic that does get recycled leaches in, in the recycling process. And second of all, contamination is inevitable in all the bales. And at the rate, the rate of the amounts of plastic that we do send, it's eye-watering. It's tens of thousands of tons i like to i like to express it in kilograms because at least you can conceptualize in your head what a kilogram is what a, a thousand kilograms is much less a million kilograms and that's the amount of contamination alone that is being sent to malaysia and this is just from new zealand just one country and there are worse countries you know yeah. um, sending much more like uh, japan and america they are i think they're the, the top two culprits of uh, countries sending their waste to malaysia 
Okay. And you know, um, you did also mention, I, I saw that, I, I saw the televised sort of like, or the recorded uh, uh, presentation that you presented, right? And you did bring up um, the story of Miss Miss Poa, Miss Poa Le Peng, right? Who is the founding member of the Kuala Langa Environmental Action Group, you know, and she, of course, you know, faced so much personal threats because she brought up how unlicensed plastic recyclers and, you know, sort of sprouted up and spread like a, almost like a disease, right, through Jinjaro. Uh, I mean, how did that story impact you as well? Maybe you want to share that with our listeners as well. Yeah, so uh, Miss Poa's story was part of that Greenpeace report that I had read. And through, you know, activists know each other. And so when I started my petition, I, I, wasn't, I was not even a plastic waste activist. I never thought I'd be <laughs> an expert in rubbish, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, I got in touch with Miss Poa and um, she has been so inspiring. But Man, I feel sorry for her because she is like a, you know, almost like full-time fighting for her, her family and, and people in Jinja Rom while holding down a, a job uh, yeah. and other things. Um, so her, her story really impacted me because she talked about how the plastic was being burned at night and how the people could um, smell the fumes at night. And although I understand that burnings don't happen that often now in Selangor um, but I, I think burnings do still occur in other states where the waste trade has touched for example Kedah or Penang um, and also um, I believe that uh, Ms. Poi has also told me that the dumping has not stopped and that even the uh, importation of, sorry, the ban on the import of waste in Selangor is not that effective because obviously these operators are going to move into other states. Uh, so there's a lot of illegality going on and a lot of smuggling going on. Yeah, basically the problem is not solved. It's just kind of relocating, isn't it? I think Exactly. That's, yeah. Yes, and that's it's the same story. Like it used to be China and now it's China-owned operators who moved to Malaysia. Uh, yeah, same sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And often, you know, as, as you alluded to as well, you know, it goes into like sort of communities where maybe it's a bit more rural perhaps or not not quite city, right? Or where they mm -hmm. think that it might be uh, the, the residents there might be uh, not so well off, for example, won't know how to sort of rally. I mean, Miss Poa, of course, was a very different case, but that's how it's sort of like the operation moves around. Like it searches for it searches for locations where they think they can get away with it. Yes, and um, usually when you first bring a complaint to the authorities, they'll say, okay, if you if you detect anything, let us know. Well, why are you placing that burden on ordinary citizens okay. who just have lives to lead? It's not their job to monitor or regulate the industry. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and the, the the illicitness of it, right? I mean, they're basically they're just dumping and burning trash, isn't it? And then you know, it's once it's happened, it's already you know the damage has been done in that sense. Yes, so the the horse has bolted. <laughs> yeah, yes. and, and uh, so what we need is uh, we need systemic changes. Really, we need to stop stop plastic at the source. You know, it's upstream measures as well that we need to implement, as well as banning the. Uh, transboundary movement of plastic waste. I mean, it's a real problem. You mentioned what um, the the phrase waste colonialism, which is what I brought up at my presentation to the select committee. Mm. And I think uh, they got a jolt hearing that phrase, you know, because New Zealand is uh, 
we are dealing with uh, post-colonial issues as well. Um, so colonialism is a very loaded word in New Zealand. Okay. Um, uh, but it is waste colonialism uh, because it's wealthier countries take not investing in their own domestic infrastructure to deal with their waste. Uh, rather, they are sending their problems to developing countries while ha having the... Uh, the privilege to um, to say, oh, our carbon emissions have gone down because of this. Uh. Yeah, and, and, and then sort of saying like, oh, there's so much uh, marine plastic pollution in countries exactly. like uh, yeah. in Southeast Asian countries, right? Uh, where yes, is all and that? Yeah, sorry. yeah, there was that report that came out, I think, last year. Was it last year or this year that said um, that Southeast Asia was like the worst culprit for marine plastic pollution? And um, of course, people who know better will say, well, where does the, where does all that plastic come from? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, going back to, to that presentation, right? So um, you had 10 minutes and then uh, I do remember you saying that, you know, the the, uh, the other side, I suppose we should call them, had 10 minutes each. Uh, but there was three others uh, who were able to uh, refute or, or give their uh, responses, right? Can you tell me what happened there? Yes. So there were three different parties who submitted against my petition. Uh, the first one was the Ministry for the Environment in New Zealand. Um, but surprisingly, they weren't vehemently against my petition. They, everyone, actually, the, the, the main denominator of those three arguments was that if we don't send it overseas, we're going to have to landfill it here in New Zealand. So that's one of the things the ministry was saying. But I was surprised to hear that the the representatives for the ministry were quite honest in their personal opinions where they expressed um, discomfort with sending our plastic waste to developing countries. So that was uh, that was a good thing. And um, everyone acknowledged that it was not ethical. Um, and the other two parties who submitted against my petition were just in industry people. One of them was Plastics New Zealand, and um, they were mainly arguing, yes, uh, we'll have to landfill it here, and it's worse. And I hit back saying, well, who is it worse for if, if we landfill it in New Zealand? Is it worse for New Zealand children and not Malaysian children? What is it? I, feel, I felt like there was this double standard, you know, where we, we value our clean air here in New Zealand, but we it's okay to, to pollute someone else's air. Yeah. Um, and the other arguments were like... Um, we don't, New Zealand does not have capacity, which is what a lot of OECD countries would argue. They just don't have capacity. For example, in Australia, I believe they did ban uh, the exports of plastic waste, but recently had to renege on that ban um, because they simply were landfilling and stockpiling too much and they uh, just couldn't deal with it. Um, so, yeah, that's a shame. And and so again, you know, nobody is addressing nobody is addressing the root cause, right? The the unsustainable uh, production uh, of these, you know, single waste, uh, single use plastics, throwaway plastics, and things like that, right? Nobody is tackling that. Uh, it's just like, okay, how do we get rid of it uh, instead of how? And of course, you know, just let's ship it off to some country where we don't need to worry about it because our recycling rates look wonderful, right? Exactly, and yeah, the word unsustainable is exactly right. If if a country cannot deal with its own plastic waste, I would say they are living beyond their means and that they should look hard at how they are 
consuming plastic. For example, they could cap the production of virgin plastic. They could cap the importation of new plastics, meaning drinks bottles, really. Stop importing drinks bottles from these huge multinational companies. <laughs> um, yeah, and just don't. And the other thing is, it's another cop out to rely on technology or wait for technology that may or may not solve the problem or may or may not exist. Uh, the better thing to do is to stop our behaviors, ch sorry, change our behaviors around plastic. Uh, what I said earlier, stop our addiction to plastic. Definitely. I, you know, I've been having some conversations with others, uh, I, I, people I'm sure you're familiar with, like Magis from uh, Consumers Association of Penang. And, you know, we were talking about how there was, you know, the majority of plastic uh, production only kicked in, what, after World War II, isn't it? So there was a time where we could and we did uh, live without plastic. Yes, it's it's hard to imagine, but uh, considering the way things are going, we have to really think about, you know, what we did in the past rather than uh, how we're living right now, isn't it? If you want to, um, yeah, save this planet. Yes, exactly. And the other big issue, I guess, is greenwashing. You know, now I'm seeing plastic bottles on the shelf that say this is made with plants, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is um, impossible. Please don't ever believe any plastic bottle that tells you that. Um, so, yeah, that's a big problem as well. Okay. So um, what happens now with regard to the petition that you uh, that you submitted, right? So they've had their say. I mean, what actually goes on now? Um, is it, Are you still continuing to like, you know, garner support for that petition and things like that? The petition is closed now officially, okay. but it has been, I've been using this um, submission process, in, you know, my presentation last week to um, garner media interest in the issue and to um, keep it alive. And so after the next steps for the select committee is to write a report to the government uh, saying whether or not they support a ban on plastic waste. And after that, they can also um, nominate to the House of Representatives Parliament to debate the issue. And when it's debated, uh, if we get a good majority that supports a ban, then a law will be passed, which will be miraculous and wonderful. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, and, and that would be wonderful, right? But again, uh, there's so many parties involved, there's so many stakeholders involved, right? Also, like I said, the Malaysian government, you know, for accepting these sorts of things. And uh, there's, you know, there's so many, um, I, mean, I guess, you know, what I'm trying to say is like the governments, businesses, communities all need to come together in a sort of multi-stakeholder, multi-level efforts, right? To, to address the challenges uh, in terms of what? Balancing economic growth, which is what they always use. And of course, environmental protection. Yes, I think Malaysian government needs to grow a backbone and ship back more containers of plastic waste. We should ban the imports of plastic of waste, full stop, in in all the states. Because if you just ban it in one state, it's just going to uh, move to another state. We should also take effective steps to stop smuggling and to. Um, build more manpower to monitor this, like capacity building, you know, and really invest in dealing with our domestic waste. So Malaysia's domestic waste, I think we, I think Malaysia creates, generates 1 billion uh, tons every year, something ridiculous. It's, it's, a mad, uh, but, it's a mad stat. Yeah, I don't have it, but yeah, yeah it's, a, it's quite, it's quite crazy. Yes. Yeah. So if, so we need to change our behavior in Malaysia as well. And, um, 
Yeah, I think for WWF, they say that uh, we our total annual post-consumer... Well, this is just plastic waste, right? Post-consumer plastic waste generated in Malaysia, and this was for stats from 2016, was over 1 million tonnes and can fill 76,000 rubbish trucks. That's just plastic. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and that's just post-consumer as well. It doesn't count, you know, whatever goes on in the industrial process. Yeah. It doesn't count um, commercial plastic. So it's the the problem is bigger than what we see. All right. So so you, of course, are, you know, uh, keeping up the, the, the good fight, uh, if we can call it that. I mean, what are some of your hopes, you know, moving forward from this? I would hope that we prioritize the environment over commercial interests and when when I say the environment, I also mean the well-being of our communities. And to, <laughs> I've been reading up on donut economics, so I guess I'm exposing my um, my economic beliefs here. I don't believe that um, in, infinite growth is the way forward, and I don't think it's sustainable. Um, I think we should all change our attitudes and just really, I think, make decisions based on love and care for people and the environment rather than making decisions based on fear. So, uh, like, business interests always act out of fear. Like, if we, if we do this, we won't get that and this and that. So, that's my personal philosophy. But I think it's a, it's a better way to look at the problem because it, it will impel you to make the right decision. Definitely, I, you know, it's really, it's I think exceedingly clear uh, that that business, the business community, really needs to embrace business and human rights principles. Uh, you know, bring economic progress without actually compromising uh, people's rights to a healthy environment, right? Which has been happening all this while. Yes, and also flip the way we think of it. Think of what we will gain. We will gain healthier people, so we'll, you know, um, spend less on healthcare. We will gain um, a a more sustainable way of living. Uh, there's just so much more to gain when we do the right thing and we care about our communities. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Lydia, uh, for joining me today. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just one last thing I wanted to ask. You know, when you were do, doing this petition again, right, and you were speaking to, I'm guessing, just regular folk on the, uh, folks on the street, right, were they also, like, surprised that, you know, all that hard work that they did, you know, with all that uh, plastic that they were recycling, were they shocked to find out that this was actually what was happening to it? Yes, because the message that was peddled for years was that whatever you wash and dry and put on in your curbside recycling is going to get processed domestically in New Zealand. And um, it's a perfect circular economy. It, it all uh, gets reused, but that's simply not true. It gets shipped like thousands of miles away uh, and spent a lot of carbon is emitted just from the shipping and then it gets you know burned and processed in some other foreign country like it's just really shocking for the layperson i suppose and i think a, a, i've uh, created a lot of awareness among thousands of new zealanders now no, that's, that's that's good to hear. And I'm sure, you know, they are also going to, you know, keep the pressure up on, on their government as well, on the government as well, right, to, to stop this. And uh, yeah, exactly to t- tackle it at the, root pro- at the root, right? Yeah. Yes. And I think we need similar movements in all different countries. <laughs> if we had a, a petition for each exporting country, well, yeah, 
that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's well, yeah. I think that the, it's, we're moving towards that because we do know the plastic pollution crisis is like a planetary crisis, right? Like it's up there on the agenda now, finally. So let's let's yeah. hope. Let's hope. Okay. Well, Lydia, thank you so much uh, for joining me today. I was speaking to Lydia Chai. She's a Malaysian lawyer who's now working and living in New Zealand. She did uh, bring a petition for New Zealand to ban plastic waste exports to developing countries. Uh, Lydia, is there anywhere that folks can follow you, maybe on social media, if they'd like to keep updated with the work that you're doing? Yes, I only keep an Instagram account, which is waste.feedback.nz. So it's W-A-S-T-E dot F-E-E-D-B-A-C-K dot N-Z. And you, if you search for that on Instagram, you'll find me. Okay. All right. Uh, and if you miss any part of our conversation today, you can always search for the podcast at bfm.my slash earth. You can also find it on the BFM app. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.